Welcome to the Watermark Students Podcast, a podcast for students featuring students where we discuss the everyday issues of teenage life from a Christian perspective. For more information on Watermark Students, check out watermark.org students, and we hope that this episode is helpful to you. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Watermark Series Podcast. How are we doing, guys? Good. Good? good. Come on. Great. Hey, I'm one of your hosts, Will McElroy, and I'm joined with two other co-hosts today, Reed Towns. What's up? How many times have you been on the podcast, Reed? I think this is the second one on this Second podcast. one. Okay. Yeah. Well, glad to have you back, man. I'm just glad didn't, to be Didn't here, know man. if we ever would, but <laughs> you made it, it back. Here I we are. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hannah Spence is joining us today. How are you doing, Hannah? I'm doing well. And then Blake, Blake Brockemeyer. Is this on? Oh, hey, on. hey, guys. How we doing, man? Hey. Blake, tell everyone listening what school <laughs> you go to, um, what grade you're in. And well, hi, guys. I'm a junior. I go to Trinity Christian Academy. Uh, go Trojans. Go yeah. Trojans, man. And uh, today, we'll, we'll get there in a second, but we're, we're talking about sports. What, what sports do you play? I play basketball. You play basketball. Yeah, I'm, a I'm a hooper. I'm a hooper. Let's go, yeah. dude. I love that. But, okay, before we even get to the sports talk, Reed, I think you got you got something you want to bring to our I attention. I do. Right? I know the, the well, how you've been starting these podcasts this season. It's been a little different than last season. Obviously, what what was the phrase that you called? Common sayings that don't make any common sense. Basically, we want right. to look at and explore sayings that people just throw left and right, and they don't really even know what they mean. You know, and right. so what what is a common saying that people are just throwing around that you're like. This this makes no sense. I, I've got one, and I did some research on it, too, so I looked into the history of it, where mm-hmm. it comes from, and I want to test you guys on it uh, a little bit. It's not super common, I don't think. Okay. Um, so it's a and not common it's thing. It's uncommon well, saying. It's, that we- <laughs> it's not common, I think, amongst our generation, okay? The phrase is a dime a dozen. I hear that all the time. Okay, great. You proved me wrong. It is common then. The dime a dozen. I dime think a dime a dozen means, hey, I'm going to give you a dime for a, a dozen donuts or a dozen <laughs> eggs or, or a dozen <laughs> loaves of bread. That's a, this is a dime a dozen, man. Okay. Just, I, I think it means it's something that's very common. Like, yeah. This is like, give me, give me that for a dime. Like I could get that anywhere for a dime. Just give it to me. It's, yeah, or, so, com- it's so common. It's only worth a dime. Or it's so, so common cheap. that it's like 10 out of 12 people have got it. Yeah. So you ain't special. What would you say, Blake? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's a common thing. It's a dime and a dozen. Makes sense. It's okay, common. so where do you think it comes from? I told um, you where it comes from. It comes from <laughs> buying a, a box of donuts. Because I, they are so common that yeah. they only cost a dime. Wow. Is that what you think, Hannah? I'm thinking that. I think it's that it's a common thing. And that's why it's a dime and a dozen. Well, it's a, well, it, the, the, the definition oh, the of it is... Technically, it's an, uh, a very common and of no particular value. Okay. It's the definition. So I was of but where right. do you think it came from? You know what it means, but where do you, why do you think people say a diamond dozen and not like a hundred dollars a dozen or with a, inflation things yeah. have gone up? Like why? Where did <laughs> it come from? A diamond dozen, maybe a dozen eggs. Because everything's made in a dozen, right? Dozen donuts, dozen eggs. That's, that's about it. <laughs> that's pretty that's much it. I honestly don't know the origin yeah. of no. this. You guys are you guys are all pretty wrong oh. on this. It's, I felt confident that I was good. wrong. Here's the here's the the place of origin for this. It's comes from the 1800s. It's believed that it originated during the time of the 1800s when dime 
was first used as slang for the number 10. And when a dime uh, of every 12 dozen hens' eggs was were likely to hatch. And so it's not buying. It's, doesn't, it's not a dime with money. It means 10. That, that meant that 10 out of every 12 eggs that a hen laid would actually hatch. That's kind of what I said. I was that's kind on of what the right I said. track if I worked it out a little yeah. bit more. <laughs> 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 we were kind of there, yeah. yeah Blake goes, whispered that to me, too. <laughs> yeah, I uh, knew it. Man, anyways, Reed, thank you for that common saying thank that doesn't you, make much hey, common sense. Happy. Although I guess it does make sense now, though, that now that we know what it means. I but, still don't think it uh, makes a ton of sense. Speaking of things that are dime a dozen, <laughs> things that are dime a dozen are student-athletes, mm. right? Every, pretty much every student, I know it's not every student, but a lot of students. 10 out of 12 students. It's probably yes, 10, 10 out of 12, 12. students exactly. have played a sport at some point in their life. Would it, would y'all agree? Yeah. Uh, and okay, I think. Now I get the, fr- <laughs> now I get the thing. That, <laughs> I think, I think out of the four of us, uh, we've all, we've all we played. played a sport at some point in our lives. And Blake, uh, you played basketball or you play basketball the other three of us we all ran across the country which is kind of funny but that we all ran cross country and track but um and so that is just part of the high school experience sports are a major emphasis in our culture you know college sports march madness is uh happening pretty much right now and then obviously celebrities in our culture are often athletes and so we just thought and blake you even mentioned too like this is something i want to talk about is how does my faith uh impact the sports i play uh and vice versa and so how do what is the intersection between faith and sports and so we're going to look at a lot of questions today we're going to ask questions today such as uh can is it okay for christians to want to win is it okay for christians to want other people to lose uh how do i know if i'm making my sport my idol so there's a lot of hot topic questions that come when you're talking about sports and your faith but i first wanted to start blake by just asking you you chose this topic why why did you pick this as your your topic well, I, I get excited about talking about this because it's just sports and faith are they really mesh well together because you spend over 10,000 hours right in sports, right, to just get to that master level. But it takes the same in our faith, right? We, we have to spend over 10,000 hours just to get to get familiar with who the Lord is. And I think if we if we combine those two together, we we learn so much more about him and his love and we can express our faith easily yeah, yeah. I, I love that and i think even kind of what i think what you're saying is that the discipline that you put forth in your uh like athletic pursuits your sports like that should be analogous that should carry over to the way you treat your faith in some ways right yeah, correct. and i think even when i look at the apostle paul the way he mentions sports is kind of what you're saying where he's, I mean, in, in second Timothy two, five, he says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules or first Corinthians nine, 24. He says, do you not know that in a race that all runners run, but only one received the prize. So run that you may obtain that prize. And so in the same way, I think Paul is in his words saying what you just said of like, it's really cool how much of an analogy that, sports can be to our faith and i think it's beautiful that the bible does not at all discourage us from being involved with sports in fact 
sounds like Paul might have been a runner himself, yeah. man. You know, I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but okay, so I'm excited to talk about this. I'm again, I'm so glad you picked this. But uh, here's here's where we'll start. I want to start with my first question of. I think as I look at students and even adults, in fact, I told you, Blake, this before the podcast, part of the reason that um, I think I got excited about talking to you about this topic is I was playing pickup basketball, um, you know, not that long ago. And there were just some guys who are grown adults. This is pickup basketball and they're getting just hot. They're getting heated, you know, and they're getting uh, just way too competitive and saying things that like, they normally wouldn't say and they're believers right and and yet they're acting out of just anger and frustration over pickup basketball and so that tells me that and this this might be an idol in their lives and so my, my first question is to you is if you're a student listening to this how do you know if if your sport is an idol yeah so basically yeah i've been in a lot of scenarios where like pickup basketball it gets really heated and people people will start saying some things and it's like wow um but i think it's so easy to make your sport an idol i think because we're living in this post-christian world sports has been made into this glamorous idol it's like all americans worship uh the professional athlete because they have all the resources in the world they were gifted by god and but rarely do any of them actually give their abilities back to god or actually point back to god and I think it's easy for kids nowadays to mimic those and pick up on the pride and selfishness of all professional athletes, but they lose focus on God and mm-hmm. who he is. And Christian athletes can easily fall into this temptation because they chase the glory and make the sport an idol. Mm-hmm. And God reminds us in 1 Corinthians ten fourteen. therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Mm-hmm. He says, you need to flee. You can't make that sport an idol because it'll it'll be a downfall for you. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not worth it. Man, right. I I think we can also make our ability an idol. Not even just the sport. I mean, I can tell you personally for me, this past week I was I went skiing with a, a group of friends and and I was on I I've grown up on long skis and, and skiing on uh, long skis all my life. Was born in Denver, skied from a young age. And this last week I had bought these really short kind of tiny trick skis that Hannah saw me doing. Um, and I just, I wasn't good at them. I, they're hard, they're tiny and they're not as easy to use. Uh, and I found myself frustrated at my ability because I wasn't as good at it. Mm -hmm. And then kind of after the first day, kind of just stopped and was like, why am I mad? Like, why am I mad that I can't get on these skis as easily as I used to? Like, what's upsetting me? Like, why is this tough and then why can't I enjoy being outside skiing uh, because I'm not good at it and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of us can find ourselves like idolizing uh, our own ability not even just the sport or winning but Mm -hmm. I'm frustrated because I'm not good so yeah I actually went skiing last week and I did that exact same thing I've been (laughs) skiing since I was three and I had one of my friends out there and I was just, I was thinking all, I was so great and I was doing all these moguls and all of a sudden I just fall. I'm like, okay, like really, I've like made a fool of myself. Mm -hmm. I've like shown like, hey, I'm all great. I can do all that. And then I fall. It's humbling. Yeah. Very humbling. Yeah. 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 Um, What I both heard you say was along the lines of the time that you give to something and then the priority with that and the emotional response that it brings. And I think those are two really great ways to identify 
idols and things that you have placed your identity in. Because oftentimes you can't just have an idol and your identity not be tied into it. So if it's something that you're giving an amount of time to that keeps you from pursuing the Lord and prioritizing time with him and walking out his calling on your life, and then also your response emotionally is frustration or anger or envy um, or insecurity, those would all point towards um, the fact that you have placed your identity in those things rather than God. Um, Because sports in itself, competition in itself, isn't something that is wrong. The Lord created us with the ability to reflect him through the way we play and have fun and the way we use the gifts that he has given us. So there are things that can be pursued and done well, but to his glory rather than to our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think I love always trying to bring it back to practical, uh, you know, just, man, that we just shared a lot of maybe the theology around idolatry and what that could look like in sports, but maybe here's some practical, like if, if you find yourself doing this, it might be an idol. So y'all can tell me if you disagree or agree with these, but um, I would say if, if you find yourself when you get injured and can't play your sport for a season, if if you find yourself just losing your pur- purpose in that moment, losing your identity when you get injured, not knowing what to do with yourself when you get an injury, it might be an idol. If you find yourself uh, just uncontrollably crying and just becoming extremely emotional after a loss or after a heartbreak in what, whatever sport it may be, it might be uh, an idol, right? Um, I think, too, if you find yourself constantly wishing for your opponents to lose, uh, which we'll talk about that more. But if, if that is kind of your prayer before games is like, man, I hope this person loses, uh, which I know you thoughts on that <laughs> later, Blake, uh, then that might be an idol. Or um, I'm trying to, would y'all have any other yeah, practical? I mean, if a loss is a bummer or if it's devastating, if, mm-hmm. it, if it affects your whole year or if it's just a, it's a, it's obviously it's a sad moment, but if it's a devastating thing to lose something, then it might be an idol in your life mm-hmm. and winning isn't everything, but it's, it's fun to win. It's, it's not fun to lose. Nobody would think that I think. Um, but if it's a devastating thing that it affects your entire life, then it's, it might be an idol in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Blake, I, I think we have a pretty good grasp on like, what does it look like for my sport to be an idol? Like how would I recognize that? What would you say for students listening or for anyone listening how how do we keep sports from becoming an idol or how do we respond when we recognize that maybe I've gone too far in loving my my sports or my athletic accomplishments? So in Jonah 2.8, it says, those who cling on to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. So I just like to remind myself that God's love is greater than any sport or accomplishment. And I always ask myself, does this make me look good or does it make God look good? And I think these things can remind us that God should always come first in everything mm-hmm. that we do on or off the field or court. It's also important to remember that you are a Christian. Everything you say or do will affect how you can spread the word at school or in your life. And it's crucial to gauge when you've gone too far with sports because this can conflict with your belief. I believe that if you have phased God out of your life for a particular sport, that it's extremely dangerous. God wants us to experience sports because it's a great experience, but placing it over God is not what the Bible calls us to do at all. 
Absolutely. I think, Blake, to go off of that, I think God has given us uh, stuff to enjoy. Uh, and he's given us people to enjoy. He's given us things on this earth to enjoy. But when we set those things as the main thing in our life that bring us joy, if it's, if it is the, uh, if it's the foundation of your joy, then that's when things get really dangerous. And I think first Timothy talks about that in chapter six, verse 17, it just says, he's talking about money specifically here, but being able to see if you set your hope and your life on money, then and it's not going to lead to life. And what he says in verse 17, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, uh, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Uh, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And I love how he uses those words at the end, that which is truly life, that we, that source of life comes not from the riches of the world in that verse, and it doesn't come from the things around us, but when we set our hope on Christ, who richly provides us with every good thing to enjoy, uh, that's where we find true and real life. Um, and when our joy is in that, then it is, it's unshakable um, with mm-hmm. any loss or victory around us. That's awesome. Um, the quote I love, you know, when talking about just how to respond or how to keep your your sport from becoming idol is from Eric Liddell, who is a famous athlete back, uh, you know, he's, he's long passed away now, but there's a quote that he made and he's a runner. The movie Chariots of Fire, if you've heard that is based on his life. Um, but he, he has a quote that says, God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And so like Reed said, God gave us bodies to enjoy and to, you know, pursue athletic accomplishments. But then also, like you said, Blake, is God should be the primary thing. And so if you're, if you're anyone listening, your purpose is not to win uh, everything. Your purpose is not to be Tom Brady or LeBron James or Sidney McLaughlin. Like that's not your purpose in life. Instead, your purpose is to love God more than anything else and to love others while, while, while you're doing anything. And so, uh, that, that quote, I feel like sums that up really well, is God made you for a purpose, which is to love him and to love others. Um, but he also made you something else. He made you gifted at other things. And so use those gifts to his pleasure. Mm. Yeah. And I also always like to remind myself, like, he's given me a gift, right? But mm-hmm. that's from him, and we should reflect it back to him. And that's the most important thing when we do sports is reflect it back to him. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh Okay, Blake, here's here's a question that I always, when I was running in middle school, high school, college, I always found myself kind of asking this, especially as I grew in my faith. How how can I still be competitive while also being loving to others while competing? Um, and basically, maybe even another way to think about that question is, is it okay for a Christian to want to win? Is it okay for a Christian to want others to lose? How should how should believers who are involved in their sports think about that? So I I looked up online and I saw like when competition is driven by self interest rather than selfishness, it has it has the effect of bringing out the best of those who compete as well as their fellow competitors. So as Christians, we should try to win. That's that's the goal of the game. But when it becomes a selfish desire, that's when we should take a step back and make sure our focus is on more than just winning. It's on him and 
because we know as Christians, Jesus has already won the battle, like 1 Corinthians says. But thanks be to God who, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we, no matter what happens in life or in sports, we can rest in the fact that Jesus came back. He died on the cross, saved us from our sins, and it's already over. It doesn't, sports don't matter. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just a fun thing to do. Yeah. So what does that look like? For you specifically, as you gone through basketball, as far as uh, what exactly did you say? Like it's it's okay to want to win, but not when it becomes in your own self interest, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. If it if it becomes if it becomes selfish, it's it's probably not the best thing, and you should keep it in your self interest. But if it's harming others, that's mm-hmm. just not what you should do. And mm-hmm. like that, that's kind of my story is where. This year I didn't I didn't play that much on basketball the basketball team but I did I did see a need in where like water bottles need to be filled up and I know that's a very unglamorous <laughs> job and like no one wants to be the water boy but it's like that's that's was that was my calling and that's what God said hey this is what you're gonna do this year and it was very humbling but it just makes you realize like hey this isn't for me this is just to point back to God and say hey. He's awesome, and he's given me all the abilities in the world. And, you know, even if I am the water boy, I'll still do it the best of my ability and give it back to the Lord. I love that. Absolutely, man. I think 2 Corinthians 8 is a great verse. Uh, Just as a reminder of that, 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, But as you excel in everything, uh, which we all want to do, and the Bible encourages us to continue to excel, to discipline yourself. But it says, As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and even our love for you, see that you also excel in this act of grace. Uh, and it's just a great reminder that even though like as we excel, as we push forward, as we continue to grow in all these things that God wants us to remember to, to give grace and to have grace in our lives and have grace in everything that we do because we have been given so much grace that it is important as we excel even uh, it's, it, that grace isn't just about sitting back and our humility is not about just being bad. Um, but as you excel, as you grow, as you continue to do things well with excellence, uh, also have grace and give grace to those around you and love those around you as Christ has loved us. Yeah, that's so good. Um, and talking about excelling still more, excelling still more and how you love others through competition is an important thing to consider. And I think the piece to consider there is your response. So your response should be love because Christ first loved us. And so how do we love others in our response? In First Corinthians, it says, um, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful. And I think a lot of those things that it is not is how we typically respond in our sinful nature and competition. And so considering our response and letting it be patient and kind and considerate of another versus acting out of arrogance and being rude um, and resentful toward another in competition. Um, And I think the flip side of that too is like considering your response when maybe you're competing with others and their response is resentful. Mm -hmm. Um, Consider the way you respond that it would glorify God and love them and exemplify the gospel Mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. I mean, like you and I were talking about that a little bit before this of Christians should still get after it, right? Like you should still have that dog in you, you know, whenever you're on the court or on the field or running a race is you should still be 
going hard and and trying to do your absolute best and but i think that looks different than uh tom brady like throwing a tablet on the bleachers you know i think that looks different than uh cussing out the refs i think of romans 12 2 where it says do not be conformed to the world the christian should look different when they play their sport and our personal success like you said blake is never the Christian's aim. We should try to do the best we can. And I think when I ran like cross country is in track, it's, I, I wanted my, my goal, and this may sound cheesy, but I wanted everyone to have the best race of their life. And for that to happen, I needed to have the best race of my life. And so if Reed and I were racing and we came around that final turn, like, yes, I'm going to, like, I'm trying to beat him, you know? And because I know if I'm trying to beat him, he's going to run faster and then I'm going to run faster. And then we're, you know, it's just going to be fun. Like we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a fun time when we're both just uh, working hard to run as fast as we can to the glory of God. And that's going to like, that, those are some of the most fun memories I had in sport. Uh, and so the reason that personal success is never a Christian's final aim is because uh, the greatest success that ever happened was not our own success, but it was Christ's success on our behalf that he conquered death, that he conquered sin for us. And so we, we really don't have any personal successes. Like I know we've said on this podcast, there's no such thing as a personal success per se. Everything is Christ's success. So, uh, like as we wrap up this podcast, you know, I want just to start with you and, and we can all share, what are just some final thoughts as you, uh, maybe think of the student listening to this, who is still, uh, trying to to weave their faith into their sports life. Yeah, I just I think it's so important to just remember that does this make me look good or does it make God look good? I think it's just important to look back and just say, hey, this all goes to God, and you know I, He's given me the ability to play and He's given me the ability to to go as hard as I can. But in the end, just point it back to God, and that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Mm, I would say that the last, my last words would be, does, does God provide your joy? Uh, is he your source of joy? Is he your source of happiness? What Psalm 73 says, he's your, is he your portion forever? Uh, does God provide your joy or does your joy come from your own achievement? Does your achievement provide, uh, your joy? Uh, and I think that that's, that's tough. If, if all the pressure is on you and on your achievement, then that can be a very anxious and, and kind of scary life to, to, achieve and to win. Uh, and if you're only set to win, if you lose, then, then kind of everything's mm-hmm. out the window, yeah. but we're sinners and we know we're messed up and we lose all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and if our joy doesn't come from us, then, then it comes from God. Yeah. Consider your identity and your purpose. Um, if your identity is coming from comparing your successes with another and not rooted in Christ, you're going to be there without hope. Um, because there's only hope in Christ and he is the creator um, who made you with worth and value. And when you understand that, you're able to walk in your purpose, which is to know God and to make him known. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my last thought would be there is, I can think of few greater ways to evangelize and love others than, uh, than sports. You, I, I've interacted with so many unbelievers um, and what you do on the court or on the field or in your race, it matters. And people see that. And I had conversations. I had probably 15 guys on the cross country and track team in college. Not one of them was a believer. 
And so there was conversations. I vividly remember conversations where guys would come to me and they would say, well, you know, you don't, you don't seem to get anxious before races uh, or when you have a bad race, you don't really seem to be beat, beat up about it. And of course I was, you know, I, I never faked it. I never, I wasn't happy if I lost. No one's happy if they lose, but I think they could just tell that something was different, that my identity was not in my accomplishments. And I got to share that. And what a layup opportunity to share my faith to say, well, I'll tell you what, like, the reason that you are anxious before races, the reason that uh, you are beating yourself up after a loss is uh, maybe you're Christian, maybe you're not. But I, either way, I think your identity is wrapped up in your performance. Your identity is wrapped up in your accomplishments. And I want to challenge you to uh, let Christ be your identity and win or lose. Uh, man, that's, that's all that matters is that God loves you. And uh, he just wants you to find pleasure and joy um, in the way he made you and in the way you do your sport. So that's good. Well, I wish I'd heard that when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I, I wish I would have heard that as well. Um, but man, I think that's it for this podcast, Blake. Yeah, I love this topic. I think yeah. I could easily talk for another 30 minutes about this. And so I'm really glad you chose this selfishly. Thanks for having me, guys. So man, well, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, and Blake, I, you probably need to do this, man. I feel like you haven't like smashed the subscribe button or smashed the five stars and just left a review have you i, I think i have if you haven't make sure you do and if I you're will. listening uh be like blake make sure you make <laughs> yeah. sure you have leave a review let us know what topics we should talk about and we'll, we'll see y'all in the next episode all right see ya yeah.